What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We are here for a post game, actually on time this time. No, uh, no work, no cold, no nothing like that. We are just rolling. We're hoping that the weather keeps my power on. It's storming here. So if you hear some thunder, it's just, I don't, I mean, I don't know what it is. It's the, the basketball gods dancing and cheering for the Grizzlies because how in the hell are they doing this, man? I, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. It's insane to me that this team just is they're eating these injuries, man. That like the shorthanded guy steps up shorthanded guy steps up and and it's not the same person every time it, you have different guys guys that are buried on the bench Killian Tilly started today which first off that's dumb as hell sorry I'm, I'm cussing early in the podcast but why is Brandon Clark not starting but Killian Tilly comes out he's he plus five just he played well not a huge box score and he made three threes nine points uh had a steal nothing crazy but it, it's a guy goes down somebody steps up next man up mentality is fantastic but w- when does the magic run out on this that that's what i want to know because this is an insane stretch throughout this entire season from the memphis grizzlies yeah, man, it, every time you, you go into one of these games, you're like, this is going to be the game where it runs out. You're like, just too much against them. A couple hours for the game, they announced that Taylor Jenkins is now in health and, and safety protocols. Uh, I mean, you got John Moran out, sitting out today. You got Kyle Anderson out, John Conchar, Xavier Tillman, Dylan Brooks goes down in the game, and they just continue to find ways to win. Uh, and I asked uh, acting head coach Brad Jones as well as Brandon Clark about this after the game, and when you talk to, to players on this team and the coaches, you hear so much about the culture that the team is built. And you hear that all the time from lots of different teams, but a lot of times it's just cliche and it's not with this team. When you talk about Grizz culture and, and I asked Brandon Clark, what does that mean? And he said, basically just the coaches and from the coaches training staff, the front office to the players for the coaches, having guys prepared to be ready to step up when their name is called. And he kind of said that pretty much everyone on this roster from at, at one time or another, is that to come in and step up? And that's pretty much true. Pretty much everybody on this roster at some point is coming in and putting in really good minutes for this team. And you, you talk about depth, and I, I think we knew this team had tremendous, uh, pretty good depth, but this is a young team. A lot of these guys haven't played much. And you talk about some of the other teams, championship teams in the, in the league, and you talk about their depth. They lose guys, and they, and they don't win like this. Like, this is not normal. I talked about this on here on, on the last podcast that we did. You just don't see this. You don't see teams fight through this much adversity. Usually on teams, if you have one really good rotation player goes down, it kind of throws the whole thing off. And that has not been the case at all with this team. I mean, you got Killian Tillett starting for this, for this team uh, at, at Power Forward and playing well. I mean, it's just uh, amazing, man. The testament to to Taylor Jenkins, the staff, uh, to Zach Kleiman for, for bringing the guys in that they have on this roster. And, and that Grizz culture thing is real. I mean, you can see it. These guys – Love playing with each other, and for some reason, man, some way, Taylor Jenkins always talks about these play groups and guys being ready, and that has been the case across the board. Every time one of these guys comes in, was you're talking about Tilly when he first started playing, and Conchar, uh, even Jared Culver now coming in getting minutes. I mean, these guys have been ready to play, and they've coming in and putting in big production, and they continue to win games, man. It's just uh, amazing that they're able to do this, especially when you you have a guy like John Morant that's averaging. 25 points a game, and you're now, would that be 11-2 and two without him when, he, when he's out of 13 games? I mean, that's just 
craziness, man. Silly season right now. It's it's nuts, man. So we'll jump into more, more of the game, but before we get into that, we got to talk about kind of the, the elephant in the room. Dylan Brooks going down. Yeah. The initial injury report says that it's an ankle, but if you go back and you watch that video, and I full disclaimer, I was I, I'm I'm working, I'm on call today. I was out on a call on my way home. I didn't get to see the play live and what happened. The only thing that I got to see was a replay from Valley Sports. And Dylan is on the ground, and he's holding what looks to be like his knee. Um, but the, the report says ankle. Uh, Brad Jones said in the postgame that they will evaluate him tomorrow and will know more then. Obviously, you know, probably do scans and, and figure out what's yeah. going on exactly. But, Isaac, I'm hoping that you can kind of shed some light on this for me, man. What happened? What led to that injury? And do you really think it's the ankle, or do you feel like it's the knee? Well, I, I can't remember who the player was on the Clippers. Uh, he was driving to the basket, and he got fouled, and he kind of ran through out of bounds as he got fouled trying to throw the ball up in the basket. And he stepped on – I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Morris. Stepped on their foot, and he fully – I mean, fully rolled it. Like, it was all the way over to the side, and he stepped on it, man. I, and I knew immediately, like, that's not good. I know how tough Dylan is. And when he didn't get up immediately or even try to get up, I was like – he, he, he has to be significantly injured. This has to be a pretty bad ankle roll if it is an ankle roll. And then when he when he finally raised up, he was holding the knee, and that's what's scary. I know the Grizzlies PR put out left ankle will not return, and we, we know how we've seen the, kind of those things before, and sometimes they'll later take x-rays and it ends up being something more severe. Hopefully that's not the case here. Uh, I mean, it's been a tough, tough year for Dylan. I mean, he's been out with COVID. He's had a couple injuries, and you, you just hope this is – not something long-term. It just seems like every time this team feels like and looks like they're about to have their full complement of players, something happens. Um, and Dylan Brooks is a big part of this team, and you just hate to see him go down like that. Despite the fact that this team has been resilient and able to continue to get wins, man, you think at some point that that's probably going to run out and you want to have all your guys healthy if you can, man. It just seems like they just can't get there, man. Every time it seems to be close, we felt like tomorrow night going into that game, it could be close. You got Jai and Kyle Anderson doubtful tonight. I think they'll probably both be back tomorrow night. You kind of, you can, if you cover the Grizzlies enough and, and look at these injury reports, you can kind of read the tea leaves. I always say questionable is the new probable. Usually when you yeah, see guys questionable, yeah. that means they're going to play that night. And if they're doubtful, they usually play the next game. I think with Jai, I think this was just kind of a rest game. They're, they're playing five and seven days. It's a back-to-back. I think they kind of wanted to give him a night off. I, I would be surprised if he didn't play tomorrow night. And Kyle's been doubtful for two games. I got a feeling he goes tomorrow night as well, especially with with Dylan goes down. I think those guys are gonna be gonna gonna go tomorrow. But man, you just hate to see Dylan go down. Like I said, it's Anderson ankle, but he was holding holding that knee. Now I've seen that happen before uh, with, with guys. It, it ends up being an ankle and for some reason holding their knee, upper leg. But uh, again, he, he did roll the ankle. So unless it's an ankle and something else, we'll we'll see. But he fully rolled it. Like I'm saying, probably as bad as you can. So I. Hopefully it's not the, the high ankle sprain because those can get tricky and guys can be out for a while. I mean, we just hope for a good prognosis on him tomorrow and we'll probably probably find out more going into tomorrow's night game. Yeah, I I feel better after you saying that because that there was contact on the injury. Yeah. You know, generally when you get an injury anywhere in that leg and it's a non-contact style injury that then it then it's scary season then you're really worried about is this a you know acl mcl and like what's going on here 
So the fact that there was contact, he rolled that ankle. Again, it, it can be tricky. He could definitely miss an extended period depending on what these scans show. Uh, hate to see it for him. I know, you know, his work ethic and, and what he does, you know, didn't start off the season because of an injury, you know, had the, the hand injury, bounced back from that, and then, you know, battling with COVID and now this. So just a kind of a tough season for Dylan Brooks. But thankfully, the, the Grizzlies have, have had other guys step up and been doing a fantastic job. One of those guys being Desmond Bain, huge line from him tonight, 23 points, one block, two steals, four assists, seven rebounds on nine for 15 from the field. Just crazy stuff, man. I, I expected him to have a good year this season. Um, I, I, I went on as a guest on a uh, – we uh, Sports Ethos has a Dynasty, uh, Dynasty League fantasy podcast, and they had me on as a, uh, the, the Grizzlies guy, obviously. So they, they asked me one player outside of John Morant that I thought would break out, and they were expecting me to say Jaron Jackson. Yeah, yeah. But I, I did not. And, and the reason being is I fully expected Bain to have a good year this year, but nothing like this, man. I, I don't know that even the most optimistic Grizzlies fan and the, the people that were the highest on Bain – thought that he would be playing at this kind of a level. This is, I mean, it's borderline all-star stuff, man. I, honestly, it is. I, I don't know that you're going to see him in there, but he has to be seriously in the conversation for most improved player. I, I don't know how you could not have him in that in that conversation right now. Yeah, it, it is weird that, that, that he's not, he doesn't show up on any of those lists. Uh, when you look at most improved player, John Moran is on that list. John Moran, most people have him listed as the most improved player. I know Baker's asked him as the highest odds, and Bain is not even on that list. Like, I went down the other day and looked at it and went down like 30 guys, and I didn't even see him on there. I don't know if he's on there at all, and that's crazy to me. When you look at the leap that he's taken from, from year one to year two, I, I just don't understand it. And there's even some people in, in the local media, I think it's Peter Edmondson that that has kind of got been asked this question, not to call him out or anything, but he was asked this question, and he says that he doesn't feel like he should be in it either. It's just something that, John said, and John kind of created this narrative, and Grizz fans and media have kind of run with it. But I mean, you just look at the improvement that he's made from year one, year two. I, there can't be anybody else in the league that made the kind of leap that he's made uh, from from last year to this year. And I, I raised my hand as one of those people that were the highest on Bane as probably you can get, and I didn't expect this. Like I thought he could be a plus role player, but now I think he could be something north of that. Like I, I think he could be a legitimate second guy on the team, and. Coming out, you just didn't think that. I mean, you, I always knew that he could do more than be a a stand up three point, a, a standstill three point shooter. I knew he had a little bit more to his game than that. But I mean, coming in a guy that's, that's putting up plus twenty every night, uh, seemingly, I, I just didn't see that coming. And, and it's been a, a revelation for this team because that's you you come into the season and you're thinking you have three pieces. Mostly, you're talking about Ja, Jared, and Dylan. And, and now, I mean, I, I think Bain. I mean, depending on sort. Some people have different opinions, but I think he's even past Dylan Brooks as that third guy. So now you're looking at four guys that you could have that could be really core members of his team. And that's fantastic to, to have a guy that's already on your roster materialize into something where you can be a core piece where you didn't necessarily expect him to be there. He might have been a guy that you felt like could be on his roster going forward as a bench guy, a six man to come in and score for you. But I don't think the front office probably didn't even feel like he materialized into that. So it's almost like, you're getting a bonus uh, with him, not a guy that you had to draft or, or go out. Doesn't guy that you had to 
go out and acquire a trade or a free agency or anything like that. You have a guy that, from internal improvement, has made that type of leap. I mean, it's just fantastic, and you love to see that. What do they need? Well, what what do they need? You you look at this roster and what this team has been able to do with the injuries this year, and they're you know comfortably in fourth in the West and and knocking on the door. What's after this win? What are, are they two and a half back of Utah for the three? Might be might be two now. Actually, I didn't check it. Uh, yeah, it is. It, it's two. I, yeah. I knew it was two or two and a half, but look at this roster. Look at what they're doing. And look me in my face and tell me that they need anything, man. I, I, I hate it. Like, I don't want to sound like a homer. I don't want to get too high, too low. But th- this team is is good. This team is dangerous. And th- th- I don't – I've said it before on here. There's not a team in the West that I fear. I think the toughest matchup for them is the Utah Jazz just because of personnel reasons. But I, I'll tell you right now, in, in a – if the Grizzlies match up with the Clippers, if it's like a four or five matchup, the Clippers want oh, no parts of it. Done. They, they, they want none. All the Grizzlies got to do is play Jaron Jackson at the five, and they are going to eat. I mean, they had no answer. Bro. No answer it, for him tonight. No, he was like, and it's so much more than, than the box score. It's so much like 26, eight rebounds, five blocks, three steals, three assists. 10 for 10 from the free throw line, two three-pointers. Like, it, it's so, so, so much more than that. He uh, – uh, Zubak is a bigger center in the league. He's not as physical as some of the others, you know, like the the big, like the top echelon centers. But he's a guy that can eat you up on the offensive glass if you're not careful. And Jaron was outstanding in this game, keeping him off of the offensive glass. You look at – Zubak, he had seven total rebounds, only two offensive rebounds today. And a lot of that is credit to Jaron Jackson and his positioning. He, you know, you can tell he's been hitting the, the, the gym and, and putting on the weight and doing the things that you want to see him do to develop his body. But yeah, huge stat line. Even if Jaron didn't put up 26, eight, five blocks, and three steals, the work that he'd done on the defensive end. And his positioning and keeping Zubak off of that offensive glass was outstanding, incredible. And that's, I think, not I think, I know that stuff like that has missed a ton. He, he, the growth from him, the growth from everybody on this team is amazing. But I, I think the shine from Ja Morant has really, I mean, I hate to say it, like, I don't mean this in a negative way at all. I love that Ja is doing what he's doing. I don't want to see that. But I, I think that the shine from Ja Moran has kind of cast shadows on how good Jaron Jackson actually is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, you you get on Twitter and you still have people skeptical. Like, and, and when I, I came on this morning, I was like, man, this with all these guys out, this is an opportunity to for Jaron to show what he can do on the offensive being because that's kind of where people – get on him because they don't, and we talked about this, they don't realize the impact that he has on the defensive end and how and you look at and they look at the contract and how much he, he's paid. But take him off this team and see what this team does defensively. And then you have nights like this where he scores 26 points, and that shows you how valuable he is to this team. Not only is he basically, this team is night and day when he's off the floor defensively. He has these type of nights where he can give you 26 points as well. That shows you how, I mean, he's like a middle for this team. There's no question about it, the impact that he has 
on the defensive end and, and what he's able to do. And he's going to have nights like this where he hits, he scores 26 points and he knocks down multiple threes. You're going to have those nights. He's not going to do that every night. But even when he's not doing that, he has such an impact on the defensive end that outside of outside of John, what he does probably has the biggest impact of the team out of anybody. And that's that that's crazy because I mean you can have Bain doing what he, do, what he does offensively, but if this defense didn't click and we saw it early in the season, this mm-hmm. team struggles. And, mm-hmm. and that's how valuable he is to this team. And I just it pisses me off so much to see the criticism that he takes because it's so it's so unfair. Uh, to, to just all it takes is just a little bit of research, man, to look at the numbers and you can see what what Jared means to this team. But to go back to your question, I, I think now this is becoming real. Like, And I still think nationally people still aren't giving them the full credit because, again, I, I always go back. I've gotten into sports betting a little bit lately, and, and when you look at futures and like I think they were like eight or seven or eight in, in chances to win the Western Conference, and they're sitting in fourth right now. People still think this is a fluke. Like, like you go back to last year, we've seen people have seen this grizzly team, and we've seen them have runs where they play really good, and then they'll go back and, and, and struggle for a while. And, and people, people, I think people think that's what this is that this is not real what they're doing. But this sample size is getting bigger and bigger. And I think you also have to take the fact that they've done this with guys injured, guys out with COVID, and they've still been able to, and they really haven't had their full team for much all year, and they're still able to get wins. I think that's what you have to look at and say, well, this team is. Dangerous, man. If they're already really good, no matter who's on the floor. But if they ever get all their guys back together, what's the ceiling for this team? I mean, this is real. Like, I, I don't think this is going to be a situation where they're playing well now. And we're going to look up in a couple months, and unless they something crazy happens, that they're seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I think probably six is the floor, and that would be if they just go off the rails a little bit. That that we see there. I think they're solidified in that fourth spot, and I don't think this is a fluke. I think they can really compete with these teams in the West. Like you said, Utah, I think, is a bad matchup. But outside of that, I mean, they would – this Clippers team, if you, you match up in four or five, Grizzlies have home court advantage. I think Grizzlies win that series in five. Like, and, I mean, Kawhi could come back and it could be a different situation. But even then, I think they could compete with this team. I think this Grizzlies team is legit, and I don't think this is a fluke at all. Yeah, and they- I don't – I was going to say, and I don't – like you said, and we talked about this last time, everybody – I mean, it's always been this thought that they need to go out and get this wing to start player. I just I don't really feel like that's the case anymore. And I was a person that really felt like that. And right now, with what Bain's doing, I, I just don't think you need that. I mean, with you got Bain, Dylan healthy, you just that's I mean, I think that's good enough because those could be part of your core four, uh, if you want to call it that. So I, I don't think they need to go out and get a wing. If anything, I think center or a big another big uh defensive big, especially a guy that doesn't need shots, is kind of the 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 only kind of missing piece. If they could find that, I think this team would be pretty complete. And, and you see the internal development that they've had this year. If that continues, I don't think they really need anything specifically. We got the best Spanish big man to ever don a Grizzly <laughs> uniform. Salty Obama, man. Salty Obama. <laughs> man, so it, it's I, – I legitimately I, – I have completely shifted as to to where I'm at on this whole trade thing. And with the age of this team – I don't want to see them move anybody at, at all. I don't want to see them make any moves. I want to see what these guys develop into. Zaire Williams, that the the dunk, the the footwork, oh man, and taking contact, finishing that dunk. You know, he's still you know seven foot tall and and twelve pounds, but that dunk was incredible. That's growth from him. 
in in college and when you go back even looking at his high school stuff finishing through contact was something that he struggled with because of that frame and you know this is not an overnight fix and i'm not saying oh he's got it all together now he's going to just skyrocket but we're seeing improvement from him good game from him brandon clark is i said this during the game and i'll say it again now he's almost completely back if he could figure out his free throw stroke he would be completely back and better than year one, 18 and 15 from him tonight with three blocks, six for nine from the free throw hey, line. Fill it this bad sheet. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're missing Steven Adams. Oh, no, we're not going to get any offensive rebounds. False. Brandon Clark got seven on his own. It, it's. I'm so glad that they are letting him do what he does. And we talked about this a little bit on the last show, but it's it's great to see – he has the confidence back when, when he was struggling and, and you didn't see him on the floor a whole lot, even though when you would ask him a question, you would get positive responses. The body language was different. He has, I mean, I hate to even call it a glow cause that's not right, but I'm, I'm going to go with it there. Like you, you can see the confidence in him when he's sitting there d- during the pressers. It, it's a big difference. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's been, so great about the season. I think you're talking about data collection. I think starting off the season, heaven's iron in a rotation when at that point, just looking at the reality of it, he probably shouldn't have been. But I, I wasn't mad at him for doing that because, I mean, you take a guy, tenth. I mean, let him play. Uh, I mean, let, let him go out there and take his lumps. And they did that. And I think it's paying off. I mean, he missed some time and he talked about seeing the game slow down, watching the game from the bench. And you could see improvements. And that's what you wanted to see. I mean, you knew that he was coming in raw and he wasn't going to be this guy that just came in and, and set the world on fire. And hardly ever does anybody do that. Like we talked about that on, on the last show. You don't see that a lot. And we knew for sure he wasn't going to be a guy that did that because I mean, he's super young, didn't have a fantastic year at, at Stanford. Um, and, and the COVID year, they had a weird year. I think they only played 19 games and crazy stuff. Didn't have any home games, all kind of crazy stuff going on. So you knew it was going to take some time for him, but I think he's probably developed probably even more than I expected. Like I see some things from him, that you would have saw. He looked like a deer in the headlights early in the season. And I was like, man, just let this guy play through his mistakes. And they did. And I think it's paying off. And what I said about Bain earlier, uh, to have a guy on your team without going out and acquiring, making a free agency deal, signing anybody in free agency, to have a guy internally that takes the kind of leap he took from year one to year two. I mean, the front office just has to be high five and, and, and doing a happy dance for what they're seeing out of Bain. And if there's any injury, I mean, any blessing in disguise with these injuries, it's seeing these guys develop. A guy like Tilly, uh, you know, earning a guaranteed contract. I mean, he's starting tonight. Like, who thought that would have thought that would have happened early in the season? Coming out with nine points, three or four from three, knocking down three threes tonight, three or six from the field, a steal, 22 minutes plus five. And even a guy like Jared Culver, I mean, he's been able to come in and get minutes because of these injuries. And, and I think he's shown some things that shows that he might be a guy that they want to bring back on a cheap deal. I mean, he can really do some things on the defensive end. He's big, a lot bigger than I've been than I thought he was. It's weird because I've been a fan of his. I loved him in college at a big NCAA tournament that year, but it seems like he's bigger than he was for some reason. I don't know why that is, but he he has some size, man, on that wing position and he can do some things uh defensively and he's showing more offensive promise than a lot of people thought. So he's got an opportunity. And you talk about BC uh when he wasn't playing getting DNP CDs. He's out there getting minutes and looking like he's back and probably might have not had those opportunities if some guys haven't gone down. So uh, it, it, with a lot of injuries and stuff, I, I think 
that, that's always negative. But to see the guys off the bench step up the way they have, I think that's been a real positive. And I think there's been a lot of internal growth for this team and a lot of information put out there for this front office that they might not have had initially. And they might be at the point now saying, well, like you said, we, we don't need to make a deal. Yeah, yeah, I at least through the off season, and for me, even longer than that. I, honestly, I, I think that you're going to have some guys in Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson that are going to be free agents. What do you do with those guys? What happens there? You know, I, I don't want to dig into that too deep because we talked about that on the last episode, but. Outside of those two guys, you've got a little bit of control over the majority of this roster. And so just see see what it turns into. Can you tell me that you, you thought this team would be, you know, tonight marks our today, this game was game 41. So this is the halfway point of the season. They're 13 games over 500. Did you expect this kind of growth from this team? And I think, you know, it, for the majority of people, the answer to that is going to be no. Even people that, you know, when, when the JV trade went down, even people that said it was kind of a lateral move, yeah. even the and guys who were optimistic about it, yeah. I don't think that, that they were expecting this. And so it's just crazy to me to think that you would want to to move off of these young guys that were still – some of them four or five years away from hitting what most people consider a peak. What yeah, is, I said, oh, go ahead. What, what are these guys going to turn into whenever they hit peak? What you know, like I think outside of uh, Stephen Adams is Brandon Clark the oldest guy on this team at twenty? What is he twenty four now? Yeah, that, and that's wild, man. To think Brandon is the, is the oldest guy on the team, but yeah, I think that would be correct. Yeah, it's, it's while we're talking about that, I like I, I don't want to see them make a, a a big trade. I don't want to see them bust up this core. I don't want to see any of these guys gone. And, and it's not because I've fallen in love with the role players. It's because of their age and the ability of this coaching staff to bring out the talent. But while we're on Brandon Clark, you've got to convince me as to why they're not start like sell me on the reason that they're not starting this kid that you look at the numbers of him and Jaron on the floor together. It's the defense is, is insanely better with both of those guys on the floor. Why are you not starting Brandon Clark? And I, I don't have a great answer to that question. Other than they just want to play a traditional center in the starting lineup and, and what Steven Adams does rebounding the basketball. That's the only thing. I can say, but I, I think most nights it would probably be better to start Jaron Jackson Jr. And, and Brandon Clark. I think there's some nights, like if you're playing Philly or Denver, you might want to start Stephen Adams. But 98% of the time, I would say it makes more sense to start Jaron and Brandon Clark because I think Brandon Clark feeds off of Jaron. I mean, he, he's when, he, when he's playing on the floor with Jaron, he's deadly in a pick and roll. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, what, what he can do. You saw all those open dunks he got tonight. A lot of that has to do with Jaron. They just play so well off each other, and I, I think I think it's time, especially when you know that Stephen Adams is not long for this roster. I mean, he might be back next year. Who knows? I mean, he has another year left on his contract. We'll see what happens with that, but he's not a long-term piece for this roster, and with having control of the, the, the type of contract that you have Brandon Clark on, I think right now he's – got to be looking at him. He's definitely going to be back 
next year, you would think, unless they make some kind of kind of kind of deal that that brings in a significant deal, he could be a part of that. But outside of that, I don't, I think he's more of a long term piece. That you do you know that right now than Stephen Adams. So I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I don't know why they haven't decided to make that move again, unless again they just want to start a traditional big and what Stephen Adams brings rebounding. That's kind of the only thing I can say. But you look at the stats tonight and uh, Brandon Clark with 15 rebounds. So can't really use that excuse either. What man? What what are your thoughts on it? I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. Yeah, and this was more so like I get where you're coming. Like it was about tonight more more than anything, right? Like why? How can you justify? And yes, Tilly has been playing good. I get rewarding a guy for him doing the things that you expect from him and, and exceeding those things. I understand that part of it, but. Do you value Killian Tilly over Brandon? Oh, I Clark? got you. you. You mean tonight? I got you. Yeah, I got you. And, and that's I, I didn't make I didn't make that clear. But I'm I'm with you. Let's start him over Stephen Adams. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I I get matchup dependent. You know, if you, if you're playing a big physical guy, there's reasons that you can justify Stephen Adams out there over Brandon Clark, but. I think day in and day out, this team is our night in and night out. This team is better if you're starting Brandon Clark at the four and Jaron at the five. Yeah, because I think, like I said, Brandon makes Jaron better and Jaron makes Brandon better. And I think they work so well off of each other. And I mean, we you talk about this, the the veteran presence that Stephen Allen brings, the passing, the rebounding. I, I get all of that, but again, I mean, you look at the age of this team and the guys that are going to be here, develop developmental wise. I think it's better to start those two guys. Because, again, I, I just don't believe Stephen Adams. When you you talk to this front office, if you talk about their long-term plans, you talk about, hey, what's going to be going on two years from now? I don't think Stephen Adams is in those plans. I think there's a much better chance that BC is in those plans. And Jaron is definitely in those plans. And BC and Jaron, like I talked talk about, play so well together that it helps Jaron's development as well. So I, I don't know what it is, man. I, I, I can't – I don't really have an answer to that. But I, I, want, I would love to see it because, I mean, you see what happened tonight. Like how devastating they could be together, especially on the defensive end. I mean, it's ridiculous. And then uh, what they're bringing on the offensive end, that's what they have together. That's 26, 36, 46 points that they had together tonight. So you're not going to get that out of Jared and Steven Adams together. So, I mean, I don't I don't know what to say, man. And then they got the rebound from them that you would get with, out of Steven Adams tonight. So there's really no, no reason not to. It's – so I was pulling up cleaning the glass there. I, I wanted to look at what the, the the splits were with these guys. The offense and defense are both significantly better with these guys on the floor. We're talking about a nine-point difference collectively, offensively and defense. The, the offense is four points better with both of them on the floor. The defense is five points better. With Man, there it is. The like you, you talk about being analytical and – a forward-thinking coaching staff in front office. There it is for you, man. Yeah, I, it's like the, the numbers are there, and this is no. This is not a small sample size. They've played the 387 possessions total. Their their total plus minus is their plus 11, essentially 10.9. They're in the top six percent in the league in differential with them two on the floor. The top 10 percent in points per possession. Top four percent in effective field goal percentage top 8% in turnovers. They're in the top 12% in offensive rebounding, top 18% in free throw rate. There's nothing across the board on all of this. The only thing that they that, that you see a downfall on is 
the, the rebounding, allowing offensive rebounds, and they're they're toward the bottom of the league in that. But I think when you have Jaron in a position where he knows that he has to be the rebounder, he's got to be the guy that puts a yeah. body on the big. We saw that tonight. You saw it tonight. Game. And they what he was rebound. able to do, Zubak is not a, a massive, def, you know, like just dominant big man, but he's a good NBA big, and he's a good offensive rebounder. As a matter of fact, the, the first Clippers game in Memphis, Zubak. Yeah, he, he got off in the first half. Yeah, yeah, like for, my, my buddy, he's like, man, if they're not careful, Zubak will tear him up. And, and he did that. He started off killing them in the first half, and that was with Stephen Adams. So and even a backup, who was their backup center? A backup center came in and was killing them too. Uh, uh, early in that game, Isaiah Hardstein. It was Hardstein, yeah, yeah. Hardstein, so, yeah. It, it's th- there's plenty of evidence that points to Jaron Jackson at the the five and Brandon at the four can be effective. And you know, we we just talked about it here, so it's. I know that they have their reasoning, and there's no doubt in my mind that there there are guys that there there are plenty of people around this team that know a lot more about basketball than what I do. But it's it's hard for me to listen to any kind of reasoning when I can sit here and look at these numbers and say you're essentially in the top ten percent of the league on everything across the board when these two guys are on the floor. It's it's mind-boggling, man. Yeah, it, it it's crazy, man. When, and it even I, I knew this from the eye test, but to, to hear those numbers, that makes my being even stronger. Like I, I don't know. Let's do it. Let's go, man. Like why why are we waiting? Steven Adams can play his, his minutes off the bench. I mean, he's fine coming in off the bench and, and do what he does, man. Rebound the basketball. Uh, you got fouls. You got the passing ability that he brings, man. By all means, man, come come off the bench. You can still bring that production. He's a veteran. I think you'll be fine. With, with that role, whatever role they give him, uh, because it's not like he's, he's a guy that comes in and put up big scoring numbers, or anything like that anyway. So I, I don't know what's holding him back, man, but I would, I would love to see that. And it's like I said, you lay those numbers out, man, that makes that point even, even stronger, but coming coming into this week, man, I, I thought this was going to be a, a tough week for this team at five and seven days to start off on the West coast with a back to back in Brooklyn and next night on Monday in, in Cleveland on Tuesday, uh, get a day off and then come back home and play the Pistons on Thursday. Day off and the back to back in LA. At least you don't have to travel there. But but I thought this was going to be a tough week, and I was like, man, if they could go three and two, like I I I I'd take that. You split the East Coast trip, beat Detroit, split the LA trip, and man, you'd be happy with that, man. And here we are, sitting here at, at, at four and zero with a chance to go five and zero tomorrow. And even and that was even before we figured out all these guys were going to be out. You're going to lose Taylor Jenkins to COVID. He was out for a game. Uh, to go to his father-in-law's funeral, and this team is just continuing to, to roll. And man, they have an opportunity to go five and zero. Um, and what was really a tough week looking back on, on on Monday morning. And I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore. I've said this over and over, talking about the resiliency of this team. I come on here every time we have a podcast, like, and you continue to expect expect it to come to an end, and it just doesn't. I mean, th- this team is just rolling, man. Best team in the NBA in the month of December, and and still getting to January and rolling. It doesn't seem to to be coming to an end man and this is a tough month and, and, and you look at the, at the schedule man some tough games tough road games this month and we you can look at the end of this month and we'll see where we are but right now man this team we call it a heater but it doesn't feel like it's a heater now it just feels like this is what this team is 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, man. It's I'm, I have no idea how long the show has been going. I don't even know what time we started. Been a lot of great conversation here. A lot of good stuff from this game for the Grizzlies and, and just in general, the season playing incredible. Um, you you want to run through the team stats real quick? Yeah, man. Uh, team stats tonight, Grizzlies 44, 100 for 44%, man. A lot of shots, a lot of field goal attempts for the Grizzlies tonight, but uh, pretty efficient there. 44%, 39 of 96 uh, for the Clippers for 40.6%. Uh, Three-point uh, Grizzlies, 12 of 38 for 31.6%. Didn't shoot great from three tonight, but the Clippers on the other side are only 10 of 32 for 31.3%. They started off cooking from three, and the Grizzlies that ended up out shooting them. Uh, Grizzlies plus six in attempts and plus two in makes. Uh, from the free throw line, Grizzlies 23 of 31 for 74.2%. Clippers 20 of 24 for 83.3%, plus seven in attempts. Plus three and make for a total of plus nine in three pointers and free throws for the Grizzlies. And Stephen Adams out, Zubak, like this is going to be a night where Grizzlies get out rebounded. Nope. Uh, Grizzlies 56 to 49, went about the boards, 16 offensive rebounds to 14 for the Clippers. And a lot of that has to do with Brandon Clark, man, 15 rebounds and Jaron, eight rebounds. So you talk about that, those big numbers you want. He didn't get to 10, but 26 points, eight rebounds, and, and what he did on the defensive end, I hope. That shuts some people up for a while. We'll we'll see. I think he comes no. out tomorrow night and comes out tomorrow night and has four rebounds and, and 12 points. They're going to be right back on them because, again, they don't pay attention to what's really going on, box score watchers and all that, man. That, that's all I can say on that. But he's <laughs> tremendous for this team, and whether, whether you understand it or not, I'm tired of, kind of tired of talking about it at this point. Uh, but the Grizzlies, uh, 26 assists to 16 for the Clippers, nine steals for the Grizzlies, seven uh, for the Clippers, 11 to six Grizzlies. In blocks, 10 turnovers for the Grizzlies, 13 for the Clippers, 15 fast break points for the Grizzlies, 17 for the Clippers, Grizzlies, 58 points to the paint to 46 for the Clippers. So that's a fantastic night uh, for the Grizzlies, man. You don't have your, your big center in, in Steve-O, the big Kiwi in the middle, man. You still win the rebounding battle. And Grizzlies are the number one rebound team in the NBA, man, and they continue. Like I can't even remember the last time, even in losses, they still usually – win the battle of boards. It's been a while since they've lost on the boards and we're still able to do that without Steven Adams. And that was big tonight. Yep. Shout out Canada and France. And, <laughs> and, the, and the, the, a lot of diversity on this roster. That's a, Tilly made a, a three to, was it, was it the second quarter? When did he knock down that buzzer beater? Was that going to the time or? Yeah, I think, yeah, I was going to the half. Yeah, I think yep. it was going to the half. So big game for the Grizzlies, 27 and 14 on the season. Good for fourth knocking on the door. The Utah Jazz going through some COVID protocols. Uh, Donovan yeah, Mitchell they, struggling with some injuries. There's a there's a, a, a door. So that's another tough one. Yep. The, the, there's a door opening right here for the Grizzlies yeah. to, to maybe fight their way into that that third spot, uh, which would be incredible. You know, that's uh, never thought that we would be having that. Man, conversation that is, that is insane, man. Insane that they could actually be in the third spot. Like if someone had told me. You, we could be talking in mid-January and the Grizzlies were battling for third or in the third spot. Like, I would tell you, there's no way, like, they must have traded and got Kevin Durant or something. If that's, if that's happening, there's no way that they're, they're going to be in third. But, man, that's where we are, man. And, and this team has been fantastic. Uh, Jaws been fantastic. And, again, you got to give a lot of credit to the coach of the month uh, in December, Taylor Jenkins, for trusting in the guys that have been able to, to come in and step up and, and having these guys ready to play. And that's what BC said when I asked him in the postgame about Grizz culture. He said that these, this coaching staff has these guys ready to play. And, and that's what, what we've seen, man. It's just 
been fantastic, and, and we're lucky to get to cover this team, man. A great bunch of guys, a great organization, and let's keep this thing rolling, man. I was at eight in a row, man. Let's let's keep it rolling tomorrow night and get against the Lakers. Yeah, yep. Don't have to travel. It's another road game, but they get to to stay in LA. So hopefully the uh, Hollywood nightlife doesn't uh, <laughs> yeah. doesn't do them in on the second night of a back to back. We'll see how that goes. But I, I think we're pretty much done, man. You got anything else before we get out of here? No, nah, man. Yeah, those back to backs in LA and Atlanta, man. Those are the two they've done studies on. I think Houston might be one as well, man. Teams usually don't do good in those back to backs in in those cities, especially young teams. But hopefully that's not the case with the Grizzlies against you. And, and one thing, guys didn't play a lot of minutes tonight. Another night where guys kind of, kind of, especially in your shorthanded, you don't think that's the case. But Tyus played 31, but Bain, and you expect John to be back. So that won't be as big of a factor uh, because he'll probably be coming in off the bench. And I think John will be back. 31 minutes for Tyus. Let's see. Bain played 29. Um, to Jaron 29 until he's 22. So, Guys didn't play a lot of minutes, so and you got some guys coming back. I think we'll likely have John Moran and Kyle Anderson tomorrow night to kind of lighten some of that load. So I think they'll be fine with that. But just again, man, man, go back to the hotel, man. Chill, get ready for the game tomorrow. Yep, that's right. So you can get me. I'm on Twitter at dwell two one one one. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. E T H O S Ethos Grizzlies. And I, I talked about this. I actually teased it a little bit uh, in the episode with Justin, I believe talk about a giveaway, and then I, I haven't mentioned that yet. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a Ja Morant jersey giveaway, and I will put the details out. I'm going to start that Monday. So we'll do a post game. I have some more details for you after the Lakers game tomorrow, um, and, and we'll get that rolling. We'll get that contest, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. We'll get the giveaway rolling on Monday on Twitter and tell you guys how you can get that opportunity. I was initially going to make this U.S. only, but we have fans that are um, are overseas, so I will make this available to everybody. Uh, there will be a disclaimer for if you do live outside the U.S. because the shipping on these things are insane. I've shipped uh, to France a couple times, and and that's that's nuts. Um, so I, I will discuss that with you if you win outside of the U.S. How we can make this happen for you. But more details on that to come. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Fantastic giveaway, man. I got a chance to win the jersey of the hottest player in the NBA, man. Going to be a first-time All-Star. So that, that, that should be fun, man. I hope everyone listening looks forward to that. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. I-F-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Again, the Lakers on the back-to-back. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night with a postgame. Uh, for, for David, I've been Isaac. And... This has been Ethos Grizzlies Podcast, and we'll catch you on the flip side. And that will conclude our Sports Ethos presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.